I'm going to tell you a little story about Isaac and I fishing to start with. You have to understand, when Isaac was younger, we would go out fishing in the lake, and he would be fishing away, and he'd have this lure or that lure or whatever, and I would fish with just a weight, no lure or anything, because nothing ruins a fishing trip like catching a fish. So I had lots of time while I was out fishing with Isaac to just contemplate things as my rod was not moving in the water. And uh, as, I was, as I was out there fishing, Isaac and I were out there one time, I, I had this thought, um, just seeing the fish kind of swimming around. We were actually on the dock at this time, and the fish were coming right up to the dock, and you could see them underwater. And I thought about those fish kind of in their own little world under the water there, and Isaac and I up on the dock. And I looked up from the fish in the water, and the horizon, of course, is there with the hills and the trees. And then I looked up to the clouds, and then I thought, you know, beyond the clouds are the stars and the galaxies and the universe and all the activity of all the people in the world and everything that's going on. And I think these fish down in the water have no idea about this world that is outside of wet, right? That's all they know is wet. And there's this whole other world. There's all these people. There's all this energy. There's all these things that they've never seen before. There's stars and there's galaxies that they can't even imagine. And then I think, how would I tell the fish what is out here? How can they ever know about all of this world and stars and galaxies and everything else? They can't even leave the world that they're in. And they can just see, they can look up through the water and it's kind of ripply and wavy and they see something moving around up there and they don't know what it is, but they can kind of see it very dimly. If I was going to try to tell the fish about my world, I would have to figure out a way to somehow get into their kind of watery world and I would have to be able to speak their fishy language and and be able to communicate to them in ways that try to communicate to them in ways that they understand that there is another world. There is a bright world that they only glimpse of sort of through a distorted lens and they can't even imagine the things of this world. Now the interesting thing is the prophet Isaiah, even though he was inspired by the Holy Spirit as he wrote, he totally did not come up with my awesome fish analogy. But he said it so much better. He, he wrote it so much better. And this is what Isaiah wrote about God reaching out and down, not to fish, of course, but to us. In Isaiah chapter 55, he writes, this is him speaking as the Lord speaks to him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so God says here that his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. If we are to try to understand God on our own, it would be fruitless because he is so much higher than us. He dwells in a realm that we cannot understand. And there's a barrier between the natural and the supernatural. There's, there's, a, there's a barrier that the natural cannot reach the supernatural. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't get there. God exists outside of the universe. So we have no way of reaching him or studying him. We can't put him under a microscope. We can't see him through a telescope. Science 
is an amazing tool to study the natural world. Science has nothing to say about the supernatural world because it just can't see it. He's not human. He's not just a better or even a perfect version of us. He is totally alien to us. He's God and there's only one of him. He's unimaginable. He's incomprehensible. He's holy, righteous, and pure. He has no beginning and no end. His ways are higher than our ways. But then God says, and this is great, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. So in these verses here, you see what God's saying. I'm higher than you and my thoughts are higher than you, but just like rain comes down, just like snow comes down, my word goes out. I speak and it's like rain and snow that comes down to you. You can't reach up to me any more than you can reach up to a cloud when it's raining and touch the cloud. But I can speak to you. I can send knowledge of myself down like snow and like rain to you. And it's beneficial to you. Rain and snow are always positive signs of blessing. Rain bringing life, snow covering sin. So the effect of my words, God says, is to germinate new life and to sustain you and to make you pure and to cover you. This is what my word is coming to you to do. And so God assures us that his word is effective. It's not like our words. I'm speaking right now, and it may have no effect. Like, our words don't have that power. It's a very common thing for parents to realize that they can speak and their words have no effect. Right? Because we don't have God's powerful word, right? Our word doesn't have a capital W at the front of it. Right? But God says when his word comes down, it will have an effect. This is what he says in the next verse. He says, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. That's amazing. So now what is that purpose? This is great. We have, we have God. We have God who's aware that he is higher than us and we can't comprehend him and can't fathom him. And so we have God aware of that who is speaking and sending his word down to us and it is an effective word that accomplishes his purpose. And so let's hope as we keep reading here that it's a good purpose. And, and it is. Keep going in verse 12. It says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn brush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. So all these verses, God says, my word is effective, and it is going to bring you joy. I'm going to make myself known to you, and my making myself known to you is your joy. I just don't want you to miss that. He says in verse 12, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. That's the effectiveness of his word. And so that is amazing that that's God's purpose. And then, when this happens, when God's word comes down to us and we are let out in joy, it will bring God glory. He does it in such a way that he gets glorified for our joy. It says in the very next verse, this will be for the Lord's renown or the Lord's glory for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So now what do we celebrate at Christmas other than exactly it? This is it. This is Christmas. The Bible tells us, and we heard it read at the very beginning tonight, 
in the, in the first chapter of John's Gospel that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the physical manifestation of God's Word to us as a people. In the book of Hebrews, it's explained this way. He says, the writer of Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so God says, I have sent my word. It comes down like rain. It comes down like snow. It comes down from the unfathomable. It comes down to you. It accomplishes its purpose, which is your joy, which brings me glory. And I've sent my word in the manifestation, in the appearance of my son. This is Christmas. God's word has come. He's come in a most humble way, but for the greatest possible purpose that we might know who God is and purify us and equip us for the life in the here and now and prepare us to enter into God's heaven for eternity. That's why God's word has come down to us. We are like the fish under the dock. We are like the fish under the water. There is a whole world out there that is beyond our understanding that we could not reach on our own. We could not fathom. You know, people of old tried to build a tower you know, to get up there to God. And it's funny, and you look at that text in Genesis 11 where uh, they're building the Tower of Babel, you know, because they have it in their mind. They've all gathered together, even though God told them to spread out. They all gathered together. We're going to build this tower up to God. And it says, God stooped down. He came down to look at this tower that they were building, right? There's all the people of the earth building this mighty tower that they think is going to reach heaven. And God's like, what are they doing down there? Oh, they're building a tower. I should maybe pay some attention to that. Right? This is, God, we can't reach God. We're like the fish. There's a whole world we don't even comprehend. But He has come down and entered into our world. Let's never forget that we are not like God. We can never work our way up or perform our way into any sort of relationship with God. We have nothing God needs, and we are as far from God as those fish are under my dock are from the stars. But because of Christmas... Because God sends his word to us, we can know God and we can become his. So let God's word speak to you. That means open it up, read it, get to know Jesus, understand who he is. The writer of Hebrews said, when you see Jesus, you see the father. The exact same replication of the Father is in the Son. So don't think that the God of the Old Testament, the Father, is some sort of angry man in a white beard throwing lightning bolts and Jesus is kind of warm and loving. No, Jesus is the picture of the Father. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. It was the Father's love for us that caused the Son to come. The God of the Father is the God of love. So open God's word and read it. Let God's word speak to you. Talk about it with a friend over coffee. There is a reason that Christians share a special kind of joy and a reason that Christians glorify a good and loving God because our joy is to his glory and it all started with his word, his son coming down into our life. 
And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. The Word becoming flesh, the God who is above all, knowing that we could never come out of our world to reach Him, and so He reached down into our world. That's what we celebrate. Get to know the Word of God. It never returns to Him empty. Let's pray. Father God, we just give you thanks for your Word. Give you thanks for Isaiah, his incredible writing, better than my fish story for sure. That God is unfathomable. And so he sends down his word like rain to nourish us, to germinate new life, and that he sent this word in the form of his son so that we could know you, know him, know you personally, and you've preserved your word for us in your scripture so that we can have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray, if there's any here who have been confused about this, not understood the simplicity of your plan, that they would understand it tonight. This is how simple it is. A God we could not reach loved us and reached out to us. And he did it through his son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.